So let's turn in our Bibles to Isaiah 46, and let's go ahead and read the whole chapter, and then we'll go ahead and study it. Our goal is to get through the whole chapter uh, this morning. Uh, Bell bows down, Nebo stoops. Their idols are on beasts and livestock. These things you carry are born as burdens on weary beasts. They stoop, they bow down together, they cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who've been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb even to your old age. I am he, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made, and I will bear, I will carry, and will save. To whom will you liken me and make me equal, and compare me that we may be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver in the scales, hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god, then they fall down and worship. They lift it to their shoulders, they carry it. They set it in its place and it stands there. It cannot move from its place. If one cries to it, it does not answer or save him from his trouble. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to learn from this passage this morning. And I pray that you would uh, give us grace to uh, know how to find faith um, even in the trials and tribulations of life. Lord, teach us to find faith on the front side rather than needing to be reminded that we should have been believing all along. For we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have a question. And uh, you guys can feel free to participate a little bit. Why is it so hard to produce faith in a moment of need? Okay? You have a moment of need, something has come up. It's really hard in that moment to think with faith, isn't it? Okay? So, no confessions, but what are things that typically happen when... We're in a moment of need, and instead of looking to the Lord, we do something else. Something else, anything else. What do we do instead of believing? What, what, what do we tend to do? Yes, Ralph. That's right. We have been taking too many lessons from the secular world. Yes, we take our P's and Q's from them. What else do we do? We run to people. Yes, that's right. That's right. We run to people. Yes, Nathan. Yes. Yep. Need produces doubt. And doubt has a ugly daughter, and her name is fear, okay? And uh, we get afraid that things aren't going to work out. 
What else happens? What else do we do instead of believing? Yes, Elaine. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We do. Danielle. Yeah, eat the bread of anxious toil. You know, you're going to grind on it and figure it out until you get it. Yes, Darlene. Oh, you think you deserve it. Yeah, yeah, and you get pretty entitled in that moment, don't you? What else do we do? Anything else? Anything else come to mind? We get agitated, don't we? Um, and that agitation, I think, describes everything we've just said so far. It's agitation to doubt or worry or fear. It's agitation to work. We start, we get desperate sometimes, and we start making phone calls to people and things, and, you know, we start saying things like, worst case scenario, you know, um, and and plotting it out. On, and not, there's a fine line between wisdom and and worry, right? Because you, you want to be wise. You want to think through. You don't want to sit and be lazy when something goes wrong. You want to work at it. But there's, a, there's, there's definitely a line we cross over into worry and fear and anxiety and all those other things. Okay? So it's extremely hard, isn't it, when faced with a trial to find faith immediately. Usually what happens is this. We twist in the wind. We work on along, we get agitated, the Lord bails us out, and <laughs> we, we stop only after we've been bailed out, and we look back and we go, oh, why didn't I trust the Lord all along, you know? Or if I would have had trust, it would have saved me time and anxiety and energy and maybe even money, had I just trusted the Lord instead of being agitated, and working relentlessly and wearing myself out. Is that right? Okay, so why, here's the question, why is it so hard to produce faith the moment we need it? Why is it sort of always a last resort that comes to us after the fact? Why don't we find it ahead of time? Why don't we find it in the moment of need? Well, the Lord wants to address that this morning, and there's four things he wants us to cultivate so that we will have a reservoir of faith when the time comes, okay? You're going you're gonna to come on needy times. You're going to come on needy times when your faith needs to be exercised. And one of my favorite preachers is a man named Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he says that faith is like a muscle, Okay? It needs to be worked out. It needs to be exercised. The Lord knows this. If you don't work out your faith muscle, like any other muscle, it atrophies. It weakens. You can't use it. You don't have it when you need it. And God is interested in working out your faith. He wants to exercise it so that it builds and gets stronger. Don't think that because you were because this trial produced this amount of faith, that the Lord isn't going to revisit that. He's actually going to revisit it with a little bit more weight on it. He's going to revisit it that requires a little bit extra, because God isn't interested in keeping your faith stagnant. He wants your faith to strengthen and grow. And the way he's going to do that is to keep introducing situations to you that will demand 
the exercise of your faith. Okay? So how do you exercise your faith prior to a crisis so that you have it when the crisis comes? Okay? Well, number one, number one, this chapter addresses all those things. Number one, God wants us to assess the present correctly. Okay, when we look at the present time, God wants us to look at it correctly. Let's look at verses 1 and 2, and we'll see what the Lord means here. He says, Bell bows down, Nebo stoops. Their idols are beasts and livestock. There are beasts on livestock. These things you carry are born as burdens on weary beasts. They stoop, they bow down together. They cannot save the burden but themselves go into captivity. Bel was the chief Babylonian god. Um, do you guys, does anybody remember what Daniel's Babylonian name was? Belteshazzar. Do you hear Bel? Bel. Belteshazzar. He was the spokesperson of the chief god. Um, the Bel, or also you might have come across this in your Bible, there's another word for him called Marduk. In fact, there are over 50 names for this particular god. Uh, Bel and Marduk are the two most popular ones. Uh, he was the god of prosperity and fertility. Uh, there's a famous statue that you can find of Bel or Marduk, and they're holding, he's holding up a hoe that's kind of like a trident hoe. It's like two hoes split off. I mean, that creativity is just astounding, isn't it? He doesn't have one hoe. He has two. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, he was the god of fertility of both... Uh, human reproduction, and um, agriculture. Uh, Nebo uh, was Bel's son and was the second most important god. Uh, the word Nebo, when put at the beginning of a word, changes to Nebu. Okay? What Bible name does that jive with? Who? Nebuchadnezzar, that's right. Um, there's also, there were a whole line of Babylonian kings. There was uh, Nebuzaradan and Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, these were people who followed Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? And Nebo, or Nebo, was Bel's son, and he was the god of intelligence or wisdom and scholarship. This was the scholar's god. And I, I, think, it's, I think it's interesting, you know, we don't worship idols in our country, but if I were to pick out two gods that Americans had, it would be materialism and academics or intelligence. Who Our nation worships at the altar of science and money, and when they want to be materialistic, they think emotionally when they want to be... It's very selective. It's a very selective materialism. It's a very selective scientistic, scientific outlook. Okay, when they want to throw God off as their creator, it's very scientific. Uh, I, I believe in evolution. But when they want to protect the bottom line and destroy a life in the womb so they don't have to pay for this baby, well, then they don't want to know the science. Don't tell me about that. My emotions are the most important thing to me, you see. It's a very selectively based worldview because of these two idols that we have intelligence and prosperity. And we really haven't come that far from ancient Akkadian <laughs> worship or Babylonian worship. So 
these false gods, these false gods of Bel and Nebo, they were carried around at the start of every year. The beginning of the new year, they had a big feast in downtown Babylon. And they made a big deal. They built a big ziggurat. You guys remember what ziggurats are? These uh, kind of buildings that come up like, you know, like you have a staircase that wraps around the top of them and there's a little flat space on the top. They put Nebo and Bell on the tops of these ziggurats. And then at the beginning of the new year, it, would, it was actually kind of an engineering feat. They would take these huge god idols down and parade them down the ziggurat. They would walk through town, and then they would climb back up the ziggurat and put them in place, and everybody would worship and say how wonderful it was. And this is what God is referencing here. He says, these people are carrying around gods. And all they do is serve to wear you out. The animals that carry them around are so broken by the end of the journey that they're almost good for nothing. They just lay down under their burden. The people that are assigned with this wear themselves out simply to take a lap around the city with their god and everybody's left worse for the wear, this God had to be carried. Okay, That's what I mean when God says, look at the present day and assess it correctly. And so, God may have given you some intelligence. God may have given you some uh, academic pedigree. Assess it for what it is. There's a whole bunch of fools in this world that have master's degrees or PhDs, okay? A whole bunch of fools. Maybe God has given you some finances. That can be taken from you. It can go into the wind and be gone before you know it. Our nation can select leaders that devalue it so much that it means nothing. There's a famous story from the German Weimar Republic that a woman... The, the Deutschmark had lost all its value. And so this woman put hundreds of thousands of Deutschmarks into a wheelbarrow because she couldn't carry them all. And she wheeled it down to the grocery store to buy something. When she came out of the grocery store, there was a big pile of money and the wheelbarrow was gone. <laughs> they stole the wheelbarrow, left the money because the money was worthless. Okay, So... My point is, God wants us to assess these things that people look to as their gods and assess them correctly. None of these things can save me. All of these things have to be born. None of these things can actually move. All of these things are false if they're being worshipped. Okay? So these crutches that people use, assess them correctly in the present. And that will help you produce faith when you need it. Because when the time comes, you, you know that's not going to save me. That's not going to save me. Only this will save me. Okay? God also makes the point here in these verses that these gods get carried off. 
he's referring to an ancient tactic. If you invaded a city and took it over, um, you know how like in modern days, if one team is winning, the team that's winning, their student section over here, starts chanting scoreboard, scoreboard, you know, like, ha we're winning, you know what I mean? Um, if you got a problem with us, say, look at the score, we're winning. An ancient way of saying scoreboard was you would invade the city and you would snatch up the gods, the idols from their temple and take them back to your town, okay? And if you didn't like it, come and get it. We've got your gods. And that's what God is referring to. These idols, they get picked up and carried away. They get swapped for favors. It didn't seem to dawn on these kings. Like, our gods got taken, and now they're going to pay taxes to this kingdom to get their gods back. It didn't dawn on them that they were dealing, that they had to go save their own gods. Okay? Number one, assess the present correctly. Number two, listen carefully to God now. Okay, let's read verses three and four. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me before your birth carried from the womb, even to your old age. I am he, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made, and I will bear. I will carry and will save. Notice how God is contrasting himself with these gods. He doesn't need to be carried. He's the one who carries. He doesn't need to be saved. He's the one who saves. God can defend himself. God can get up and move. God is the one who saves, and what God wants us really to listen to are his promises. Let's read right here. He says, listen to me. Listen to me. And then he, in verse 4, he goes on to make some promises. Even to your old age, I am he. To the gray hairs, I will carry you. One of the, one of the hard parts of life is as we, we age and we see the number of years that we have to live running out, we begin to grow afraid that what we have isn't going to last us till the end. Or in our reducing vitality, we're going to get taken advantage of. Or we're not going to have the dignity that we once had. And that produces fear and anxiety and dread. But listen to the promise of God. I am with you to your old age you're actually more vulnerable now than you were when you were a child. I bore you when you were a child, and I'm going to bury you until your hairs are gray, or in some cases, gone. <laughs> I've got you, God says. I've got you. He says, I have made, I will bear, I will carry and save. When Jesus promises that he will be with us and that he will never forsake us, he's echoing these very same promises that God has made to us already. And so, we need to listen to God at present now and hear his promises. Because when we... Okay, how many of us have ever been afraid to open our Bibles because of what we'll find or because of what we think we might find. 
I'm going to open these pages, and what I'm going to find, we fear, is either condemnation or work or burden that we can't bear up under. Have any of us ever had that fear? I don't necessarily want to go hear from God because I might not like what I hear. Well, listen carefully to God. No, he's not going to affirm you in your sin. But what he will do is make you promises when you turn from your sin. And he will bear you up. He will save you. He will carry you. He wants us to listen to these promises ahead of time and listen carefully to them so that when we face a trial, they'll immediately come to mind and we can assuage the fear and the anxiety and the toil that come when we face one of those trials. Oh, I remember that God said this. God, I don't see right now how you're going to do it, but I believe that you will. And you've never failed me yet. Okay. Now, number three. God wants us to think correctly about him. Let's look at verses five through seven. God says, to whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver on the scales, hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god, then they fall down and worship. They lift it to their shoulders, they carry it, they set it in its place and it stands there. It cannot move from its place. If it cries, it does not answer or save him from his trouble. Okay? God says he wants us to remember, I'm sorry, he wants us to think correctly about him. And the way that we need to think correctly about him is his utter incomparability with anything we could know. Okay, let me ask a, let me ask a theological question, okay? Now, this might verge onto one of those questions my wife accuses me of asking from time to time that only I know the correct answer to, okay? I'm going to say it's probably one of those, but try to answer me this, okay? What is God like? What is God like? Nothing. Nothing. Good one, Derek. That's, that's actually briefer than what I have, but it says the same thing. So I used eight words when one word would do. Okay? <laughs> God is unlike anything you can fathom. God is unlike anything you can fathom. He's incomparable. He's not like a lion. He's not like a spirit. He's not like the sun. He created all that stuff. He's not even like what we see in space, how far it goes. We don't see the end. That's a finite thing that he holds in his hand. God can't be compared to anything. He's unlike anything you can imagine. And he uses language for us to help us grasp the outer garments, his outer garments that he doesn't have or wear because he doesn't have garments or wear. He's, 
he's unlike anything we can imagine. And so the best thing we can do is to come to God's word and see how he describes himself so that we can start understanding correctly what he's like. This is what we were talking about last week a little bit. This is actually a mistake lots of different people make, okay? Let me give, let me give an example, okay? Um, imagine going down to Ogden Regional to the newborn baby uh, ward. Is that what they call it, the newborn area ward? I've only been there like five times. But you know what I mean, the, the baby place, okay? Okay, look at a newborn baby in the crib, um, you know, just newborn. If you were to look at that baby and extrapolate details about an adult based only on looking at that baby, what would you conclude? That adults are toothless, <laughs> that adults sleep most of the time, that well, they sleep all the times you don't want them to sleep, and then they're awake all the times you want them to sleep, okay? That adults cry when they're hungry, which may in my case be true, but not for most of us. What else are we like? That adults can't walk, that adults have to be carried and born? You see, what's the flaw in that logic? We're, we're taking... We're taking small and trying to reason outward from it. And God says, don't do that with me. I'm not like a man. Don't look at, don't look at creation and try to reason upward in a perfectionistic way. Don't try to make me man times ten. Don't try to make me a great human trait times a thousand. I'm utterly beyond comprehension. I'm utterly incomparable. I'm not like what you think, anything you can even imagine. I'm incomparable. Okay? And we start there and reason our way down based on what God tells us is true of himself. Now, why is that so important when facing a trial? Why is that so important when facing a trial? Okay, here's why. In counseling, I, I talk about this a lot. We, we all tend to have I say G for God and then me because it rhymes. Everything in our lives are always trying to say big me, little G. But what God is trying to transform us, and he's using trials, he's using difficulty, he's using his word, he's using everything we know about him to reverse that to where it's always big G and little me, you see. And here in this passage, God is telling us, look, I'm, I'm incomparable. Don't have a big me and a little g. Have a big g and a little me. Okay, reverse that. 
That way, when you come to a trial or you face something where you need to exercise your faith, you're already correctly, you're already correctly situated with a big God who can handle and shoulder whatever burden you have. Does that make sense? It's hard to recapture that perspective in a moment. It's a perspective we have to keep in front of us all the time so that we have it when we need it. All right, number four, fourth one. Fourth one. God wants us to remember his past deeds. God wants us to remember his past deeds. The way forward in faith is backward to the Bible. Okay? The way forward in faith is backward to the Bible. Read right here. He says, remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It's not far off. And my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. God says, remember, when you're you're faced with a trial, remember all the ways I called my shot and pulled it off. Remember how Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll build it back up. And how on the third day he rose right up. Remember how God called Cyrus from the east in this really unexpected way. And 150 years later, here comes Cyrus. God predicted the return of the exiles before they were even exiles. And he predicted the deliverer by name. God predicted that the Israelites would go down into Egypt for 400 years and then they'd be brought out. What happened? They went there for 400 years and then they were brought out. God told Moses, I'm going to... Take my people out of Egypt with a strong hand. It was utterly unthinkable. It was unfathomable that that could happen. What happened? They were taken out of Egypt with a strong hand. God said, the Assyrians are going to come and they're going to camp against Jerusalem. There's not even going to be an arrow fired into the city. You'll see them. You'll smell them. You'll hear them. But they won't get close enough to shoot an arrow. What happened? They didn't get close enough to shoot an arrow. And they, they lost, what was it, 70,000 men in one night and went home. Never came back, as a matter of fact. Never came back. God said it would happen that way. It did. Remember, when you're facing a trial... Remember what God has done for all these people. And remember that they're people just like you. This is the point that James makes. Elijah, do you think he was some spiritual stalwart? He was just like you. He was just like you. And when you recall that God made these promises to very common, ordinary people, what might he do for me? What might he do for me? We do ourselves a disservice to put the Bible actors 
on a stage as though they are two-dimensional people, okay? We're here in the Christmas season. Mary and Joseph were peasants, very, very ordinary people. Joseph is a workaday guy. Mary's a young girl, 17, 16, 17, 18, right around there, and she's just happy about planning her wedding, and it's going to be very humble. She just wants to raise a family in a little town, and God shows up and says, hey, you're going to have the Messiah. She says, how can that be? I haven't known a man yet. God says, it'll happen. And it happened, just like he said it would. For a peasant girl in a backwater town who's a nobody prior to that event. But God took notice and intervened. God takes notice of you, and he wants to intervene for you. The way forward is backward. And remembering all the things that God has done for these people, and eventually it will dawn on you that he'll do it for you too. Let me tell a quick little story, okay? I was, uh, this was several years ago. They had just built the Smiths down in North Ogden. Remember the, remember when that was a uh, alfalfa field? Anybody? <laughs> all those apartments you guys are living in down there weren't there seven years ago, okay? <laughs> those are all new. I, they had just built it, and it was bright and shiny new, and I will fully admit I'm a bit of a grocery store snob. I like to go to the nice, shiny ones, okay? In fact, this new Smith's is getting a little sketchy now, so I need, <laughs> I need them to build a Whole Foods around here somewhere, okay? I like a nice new one. I'm, that's why I don't do the grocery shopping for our family, by the way. Danielle does. <laughs> well, I was down, man. I was, I was down. I was just in a really low place, and... They'd, they'd had a Starbucks in there, and um, I was, I downloaded a, I didn't know what else to do. I downloaded a sermon that I thought, it was a preacher that I liked, and I downloaded it, and I went down there and got a cup of coffee, and I know this is going to sound weird, but I have a cup of coffee, and I'm literally just walking around the Smiths, listening to the sermon, sipping on a cup of coffee because I didn't know what else to do. I was very low. And the pastor said, he said, you know, he said, I don't have any problem telling other people their sins have been forgiven. What I struggle with is telling me that my sins have been forgiven. And I went like this. I, I literally just stopped. And I went, that's me. And he went on to say a few encouraging things. And I turned it off. And with a smile on my face, I left the Smiths and went on with my day. Because suddenly I remembered that God is for me. 
and not just everybody else sands me. Okay? So get there. God is for you. And the way that you'll get there is to assess the present correctly, to listen carefully to God, to think correctly about God, and to remember his past deeds. Okay? And hopefully you'll have a reservoir of faith to draw from. Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for this opportunity to learn. I pray that we would think through these four points so that we can have the necessary faith to face trials, to live life, and to be prosperous in your kingdom. For we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.